Welcome to the Winning Edge Investments podcast. Winning Edge Investments provides industry-leading horse racing and sports betting tips, ratings and education, enabling you to invest intelligently and treat your betting like a business. Go to www.winningedgeinvestments.com to learn more about how you can start to supercharge your betting bank immediately. Treat your betting like a business and invest intelligently with Winning Edge Investments. Today we're joined by Bruce Slade from Kestrel Thoroughbreds. He also consults for Newgate Farm in the Hunter Valley and has a very interesting role there as the Director of Stallions um, and also works for Toby and Trent Edmonds on the Gold Coast. How are you, Bruce? Yeah, hey, Brad. Uh, thanks very much for, for having me on. Uh, thanks for joining us. I thought we'd get you on the show as you're very well travelled in the industry, a lot of international experience and you know a lot about the thoroughbreds. So um, how did you yeah. get into the game? When I was um, 11 years old, we moved from South Africa to, to New Zealand and my um, my uncle actually had a, uh, a stud farm there in, in the South Island of New Zealand at the time. And we were, um, uh, we, we sort of made our way over didn't obviously know many many people obviously outside of my uncle and my aunt so we went to go and live with them out on the farm for for a few years and um and it was there that you know I just sort of caught the bug he was my uncle was a very uh a top horseman um you know managed very big farms in South Africa before they had left uh, managed Summerhill Farm in South Africa and um you know it's a big stallion operation big racing operation big breeding operation so very knowledgeable guy and um you know obviously a, a you know, knew his pedigrees, um, was very, um, you know, had travelled the world doing thoroughbreds and, and had a really good wide experience um, and knowledge of the game. So he was just, a, you know, someone I could, um, yeah, just learn off every day, Brad. He, he was one of those guys that, you know, um, just taught me so much and I just used to hammer him with questions, hammer him with questions and I was just so lucky, you know, from, from the age of about, 12 or 13 I just knew that thoroughbreds is what I wanted to do and 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 from there I was able to sort of you know use my school holidays and and use all the extra time I had to to gain the the necessary experience to sort of help me uh, along that journey you know and you took up a pretty cool scholarship which took you all around the world as well yeah exactly uh, Brad after university um I was accepted on the Sunline Scholarship, which is which is a great scholarship that the New Zealand Thoroughbred Breeders Association um, put on uh, annually, and um, you know that's basically a one-year scholarship working with the best management uh, around the world. So I was able to, to go to Cheveley Park um, in, in England, and and Coolmore in Ireland, and uh, and TaylorMade in Kentucky, and um, you know just work with with some of the best. Uh, horses, the best people, um, and obviously got to experience international racing. So that was a, um, a terrific learning curve. And, uh, you know, I suppose those sort of bits of travel, you know, you go away and, and not only do you take stuff away from, you know, from the people you meet and, and you know, get a wider understanding of the, of the, of the global game, but you also sort of get a real appreciation for, for how good you have it in Australia and um, you know, I, I suppose I sort of came back from there, very keen to to um, get stuck into to racing and, and breeding in Australia from there. So you've seen how the global operations operate in different parts of the world. How does Australia compare? Yeah, I suppose uh, you know we've got a different environment. We're very lucky and uh, compared to um, 
for those places they get very cold in the winter and and the early part of their spring where they start the mares start foaling and stuff it's pretty cold over there then and, and the horses obviously have to be boxed a lot um to uh to be out of the harsh elements of of um of the cold so you know I, I think we're a bit more sort of um i'd say free range here you know like our horses spend a lot more time outside they can foal outside um, we don't have to muck as many boxes, Brad, which is a real benefit. <laughs> oh, mate, yeah, we mucked a lot of boxes in England, I tell you. It uh, was a daily big big part of the day. But, um, uh, yeah, I suppose, I suppose you know, we have a, a lot more scale too, you know. Like we probably are, um, don't have as much rainfall as a lot of those places. So, you know, I tend to have um, bigger, wider open farms here, um, which, I think are, which I think are all positives, you know. And you mentioned you've spent a lot of time in the cold. You're on the Gold Coast now working with Toby and Trent Edmonds. How's, how's that been? Yeah, super, Brad. Really enjoyed um, joining up with the team here. So obviously we, I was living in the Hunter Valley, um, general manager of Newgate, and, and you know, just sort of keen to, um, I always say, you know, you, you read too many sort of self-help and motivational books and you want to try different things. So we thought, you know, we, we love the beach and, and why wait to live up here? For, for when we're retired, let's try and make it work now. So we, um, we've moved up here and um, been really grateful with Newgate being able to stay with the team there. I mean, Henry and, and the ownership there are um, you know, just incredible people and it's great to sort of still be very much part of the Newgate team, but also um, great to live somewhere where you can live a lifestyle and part of that was obviously, um, you know, I had a bit of extra time to, to, to in my sort of my week. So I sort of decided to approach Toby and Trent I had seen um, you know they were very much on an upward curve I think the last five years they'd, they'd broken their previous record of winners in a season so I just thought they were stable on the right trajectory and, and as you grow and as you scale of course you you need some more help around you know servicing your clients and and, um, and some help around you know your, your, your um, securing bloodstock for the stables and that's sort of the role I now f- fit and uh, the guys have just been brilliant you know I think um, they're a great combination you got Toby who's got all the experience um, just a fantastic horse horseman and um, um, and a great trainer you know it's one of those old arts the, the training game Brad that you have to do it and uh, the longer you do it I mean you, you sort of pick it up and learn and learn and learn I think it's one of those sort of crafts where you don't um, you know, you can't read a self-help book. You really have to experience it all. And Toby's got plenty of experience. And Trent, um, you know, is terrific in terms of his competitive na- nature. Um, he's super energised, um, very keen to, you know, be at the forefront of the communication side of things and, and the training as a trainer um, and uh, as a combination. You know, you can see why it's working so well. And I've really just enjoyed being there. They're very open to change and open, you know, just open to just always wanting to improve and uh, you know I've really enjoyed you know any sort of ideas I've got they've been very open to them and, and been willing to change which is a, which is a huge thing you know a great couple of weeks with the stable getting the the Stradbroke with Tyzone and Van O'Gill and the Roses yeah absolutely they, they had six uh, stakes winners across um, six weeks there uh, including a group one their first group one so that that was massive mate I can't uh, I can't take any um, credit for any of that, I can assure you of that. But uh, it was just so nice to see they work really hard, and uh, you know Toby's been training for 31 years, I think it is, and and um, you know for that that's that's 
you know, you think of the amount, the amount of hours he's put in to get to that point. It's an absolute pinnacle moment, and uh, I was just so, so happy for, for, for the whole family, you know. And with COVID-19, has it changed the way you work? I mean, you obviously do a lot of work for Newgate remotely. Has it changed your daily routine? It, uh, I suppose a lot more, like I haven't been able to travel as much to the races and that sort of thing. So it's, it's changed the whole dynamic, right, of, of you know, um, the role in terms of um, servicing clients. Normally we'd have uh, open days at the stable once every Sunday and, and look after clients there and show them their horses and obviously at the races you'd be looking after clients and that sort of thing. Um, and obviously there's been a lot of sales that have been cancelled. So it's all gone online. It's taught us a lot. Like I think it's taught us a lot about... Um, you know, we're probably going to be better communicators out of it, um, particularly from an ownership point of view of with horses with Toby and Trent. You know, they're now doing videos um, pre-race and and post-race and things like that, just so that the owners can see what the jockey's saying. And I think those are all sort of um, comms that we'll, we'll continue to do going forward because it's just had such great feedback from the owners, really enjoying that uh, you know up close and personal um, look at tactics and and you know fresh comments from the jockey straight after they jump off about how they how the horse went you know you worked with uh gay waterhouse for quite some yeah five years with gay yeah five years with gay and what was your role there so tell us about how you became to work with gay is an interesting story isn't it yeah yeah so uh, just the most incredible time for me uh, just as a, in a nutshell working with gay um i couldn't speak more highly of her you know she she's sort of a perfectionist and 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 you know she she is after perfection with the horses but also the people around her and she really uh, knocked me into shape but uh, yeah, I was working in New Zealand at the time I'd just come back from the Sunline Scholarship I was working for New Zealand Bloodstock and I really thought I had it um, all mapped out Brad I was going to be an auctioneer Bloodstock agent work for New Zealand Bloodstock um, you know I'd sort of one of those guys that sit down and write in your diary you know this is my goal for 2018 was to be an auctioneer and 2010 I want to do this whatever else and it all was, all was sort of starting to happened for me you know um, and it happened quicker than I expected so I was sort of in my dream role and what I wanted to be <laughs> when I was uh, 24 and uh, it all got shook up one day there when I was bid spotting I used to be quite a passionate bid spotter and um, there was a New Zealand premier yearling sale and Gay walked out of the stand and she didn't know who I was and she said uh, young man I'd like to offer you a job in Sydney so uh, I sort of was a bit blown away and didn't know what to say but uh, Essentially, I said, Gay, oh, that's, that's incredible. Obviously, I knew who she was, and I said, uh, you know, can I just have a think about it? And she said, don't think about it, just come. So, you know, uh, uh, six weeks late, later, I turned up in Sydney, and, um, you know, didn't really know what to expect, and to my surprise, there was no job for me, really. Um, she was just sort of, you know, had created a position, I suppose, and I just rolled into the office. I think everyone in the office thought, what the hell is this guy doing here? And... My first job was to edit her book, actually, her gay, um, in in her words, and it was sort of a book taken from her blog, and and uh, you know that was very interesting. Six months spent promoting the book um, with David Jones and Gay's autograph. You know, um, had had uh, what do you call those things when you know people come for autographs and that sort of thing, book signings. Yep. Um, yeah. So that was really interesting, and <laughs> but eventually, you know, like. Um, Kate Grimway, who was a racing manager there at the time and a, and a great lady, um, went back to, to, to the UK to, to manage Godolphin's spelling and pre-training uh, yard in, in Newmarket and, and I then took on the role as sort of bloodstock manager and, you know, we um, I just had a lot of fun there. Brad obviously learnt a lot. Uh, Gay really knocked me into shape um, and 
you know, I've got a, a thousand examples of that, but uh, just one would be, you know, just, you know, going to get a decent haircut and going to <laughs> David Jones to get a, a suit that fit properly and um, going to driving school, you know, Gay thought I was a terrible driver the first day I drove her around, so she sent me off to what, driving was she school. Well, I thought I was, I thought I was okay, but <laughs> but next minute I was there, you know, um, in a defensive driving school with a ton of fifteen-year-olds, sort of, you know, um, just yeah, getting some good skills, I suppose. So, yep, yep. Um, now amazing time, mate, and just an incredible group of horses. You know, while we we're there, um, Gay won the Melbourne Cup with Fiorente, Caulfield Cup with Desperado. He also won the Caulfield Stakes. Uh, More joyous had won a Doncaster. Um, Piero was there, won a Golden Slipper. We had three Golden Slipper winners in that time. Um, oh, it was just an incredible time of, of so many good horses and, and plenty of big race results around um, around Australia. And it was a lot of fun, you know, a lot of hard work. But at the time, you know, I was a single young guy and it was, um, yeah, a lot of, uh, had a lot of fun, that's for sure. What's one thing you learned which really sticks out from Gay? Um... Gee, I learnt so much there, Brad. But I like then the things that impressed me about her is that the, her work ethic. You just learn that you know things take work, no matter how successful you are, and um, you know to be successful, you need to just work hard. And and you know there's a, a lot of times there at the, at the at the tower in the middle where where you know it might not be gallop morning, and you want to sit back and go and grab a coffee out of the tower and have a you know put in a, a crumpet and put a bit of honey on it and you know what I mean but she, yeah, if you did no, that no, time for of, that no 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 every day she was just out the front you know giving orders of work looking at the horses just constantly on you know yeah. um and for the, for you know a, a lady with her success and the amount of time she spent the game for her to still be so driven was incredible and 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 also always learning you know she never sort of um she was always open to new ideas and she always spent you know a month a year uh, traveling around visiting different stables around the world to pick up new ideas so she was forever a student of the game and i think it's another reason why she was just able to stay at the top for for as long as she has you know winning edge investments is an independent provider of tips ratings and betting education on horse racing and sports recruiting only the best full-time professional punters and expert analysts does your tipping service offer transparent posting of results every day using an achievable odds recording method? Do they offer a 120-page betting education pack with every membership? And do they provide a profit guarantee, loyalty bonus credits, refer-a-friend bonuses, and special insider discounts to valued members? If not, head over to winningedgeinvestments.com for a different, better experience. Treat your betting like a business and invest intelligently with Winning Edge Investments. So, as a bloodstock expert, what what do you look for in a horse? Let's um, I mean, let's look at say three of Gay's more joyous Fiorente and Piero. How would you describe their differences? Yeah, mate, I I, I wouldn't call myself an expert. Just quickly on that, like I, it's one of those games where you're just always learning and you just got to keep. Uh, once you think you know, you start going backwards, you know, so it's, um, there's no, there's certainly no um, rule, defining rule, um, but I think you do, I think the good horses do have things in common, you know, when you, when you know, when you, when you see them, so, I mean, uh, De Fiorenta and, and Piero weren't, weren't dissimilar, really, they were both um, quite tall horses, very athletic, uh, great movers, uh, and colts with just 
great brains, you know. They were sort of, I had an, they oozed a sort of confidence to them. Um, they'd never do anything to, to, you know, they'd never be naughty or try and hurt you or anything, but they always sort of owned their space and, and um, you know, there was a mutual respect between between the people, you know, the people that worked with them and, and, and Piero and Fiorente. Uh, and more Joyce was oh, just a beast of a mare, you know, just, um, she was a bit more bulky than those Colts probably, um, probably masculine in some ways, but at the same time had a very feminine head, massive girth in her, like she just had a huge, huge girth, very powerful behind the saddle and, um, you know, there's no, re no, no surprise that she was a top two-year-old and then obviously developed into a... Um, a top class weight for age uh, mare and time as well but uh, um, deep girths I think are really important um, it, you know I think that's probably the one thing they have in common all, all three of those horses that had big deep girths and um, very clean throated horses very athletic easy movers not hard on their joints at all um, and, uh, and and good brains you know have you got a favorite horse you've been involved in Oh, I've got lots. I've got so many favourites. It's just at different aspects of time in times in your life. You know, I'd say Gay's Piero was my was my favourite. You know, having you know been there when we bought him as a yearling, um, raced by a great family, the Colavos family, who were just very generous and very kind throughout, and, and made everyone feel very much part of part of the whole ride. Um, and he was just a horse that would just win from places you just never thought were possible. Brad, like he, you know, there was days there, you know, when the pace would be against him and the barrier would be against him and be at the back and um, you know, I think it was a George Ryder where Mufasa led that day and he got a, just a walk in the park up front, a picnic and I turned to Gay and we just said we're in trouble here and he still got up and won, you know, he just used to win from impossible positions um, and uh, Fiorente was very special, I mean he was a horse that we bought out of Europe, myself and James Harron were, you know, bidding away, we were at the, uh, down there at Rose Bay at the pub um, it was late at night because it was, um, you know, obviously daytime in Europe and we sort of had the horse bought but then um, the Moroni stable came in with a late bid to try and buy him and then we sort of had to say to Gay and Rob, can we go another bid? And they said, listen, you go another bid if you think you can sell him sort of thing. And uh, um, anyway, at the time, James and I were very <laughs> were confident, I suppose, and, and bullish on the horse. Um, Might have been helped by a beer or two, but... Uh, Listen, he 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 uh, he was got bought by that extra bid and uh, you know syndicated very easily and uh, ran second obviously on his on his stable debut in the Melbourne Cup and won it the year after so that was very satisfying. Then I had a little stint as a syndicator, which um, I found I didn't uh, have the um, stomach for, I suppose, just the level of risk and work and everything syndicators take on. They're incredibly important to the game and. I've got so much respect for them, but um, I tried that for a year with roundtable racing. Got very big, very quick, and and had lots of sleepless nights. But um, we had a filly there called Sweet Redemption, who was um, a really uh, good filly for for her group of owners uh, in the roundtable racing colours. So she was a a horse that sticks in my mind um, very much. And then obviously in my time at Newgate, it's been incredible. You know, from from racing dissident, uh, having a little piece of him myself um, through the last few Group Ones. Um, that he won before he went to stud. Capitalist was very special, you know, a um, a, uh, a result of, you know, uh, a concept that James and Henry put together to buy colts and race them and try and create stallions that way. And, um, you know, just the, the forward planning and the amount of work that went into buying Capitalist was 
was um, it was just a huge effort by by those you know, by James and Henry, and then to be at Newgate when he won the Golden Slipper. That would just uh, I know it meant a lot to those guys, and it, it, uh, that sort of flowed onto me as well. And and Russian Revolution the same the same deal, you know, and an extreme choice, um, you know, having bought him after the after a Group Three based on time ratings, which we sort of have got into, and um, through through my previous sort of relationship with Daniel O'Sullivan. Um, that was a huge, uh, huge thrill too. You know, having, having sort of been involved in bringing Daniel onto the team, and then our first horse being Extreme Choice, having purchased him, and then he goes on to won a Blue Diamond and a, and a Moy Stakes. That uh, that meant a lot too. So, mate, lots of highlights. Just been super lucky, and uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully many more to come, Brad. Hopefully many more to come, and hopefully many more in the pipeline. Yeah, I was going to say um, that Newgate roster is pretty damn impressive. So I'm sure there's um, some some superstars that come out of that? Yeah, you know, it's a tricky, it's a tough game. You're taking on the, you know, global conglomerates that are, you know, just have um, huge, uh, huge resources. So, um, you know, I think Henry's done an incredible job um, building Newgate with his partners. Um, and, uh, you know, we've just got a great team there that, that worked very hard. And, and you know, the, the pinnacle in the game, the, the absolute mountaintop, as you can imagine, Brad is, is, is getting a champion stallion. Um, not only, you know, the work that goes into, you know, the amount of support you need from other people, from small small breeders to large breeders to get them off the ground, but, um, you know, then you need the support from the trainers and the syndicators at the sales to get them into the right yards and, and the best trainers and, and then to nail a, an Arm Invincible or a Fastnet Rock or a Reduced Choice or one of those would just be an incredible, you know, and, and the amount of money they can generate obviously is, is, um, is astronomical and it... Uh, you know that'll be the defining point in the studs' history. That's what we're chasing, you know. And that issue of um, money sort of comes back to one of the big arguments we hear a lot these days: is that Colts finishing their career a bit earlier than some people would have liked to go to stud. What's what's your take on that? Yeah, but I think I think at the end of the day it's pretty logical. Like when you're actually in the in the situation and you weigh up the risk versus reward, uh, I think it it makes a lot of sense um, why why people do retire horses um, as early as they do. Um, the, the simple fact is that you know you can go to stud and be guaranteed uh, a level of income providing they're fertile. Um, I'll give you an example. Brutal, for instance, this year will retire at, at twenty five thousand plus GST, and you know we uh, we would have loved to have raced him on. So he'll go to stud this year and generate sort of three four million dollars worth of um, service fee income. Now uh, you know we we probably think if we've been able to race him on and he hadn't you know, been injured or, you know, you need everything to go, go your way to try and generate that same kind of money um, uh, on the racetrack, of course. So, you know, you sort of always take the safe bet, um, the, the guaranteed three or four as opposed to chasing a three or four on the racetrack. Um, and also remembering that, like, if he did get injured and had to have sort of another 12 months off the scene, his ability to generate that income would, would be far, far less um, in 12 months' time. You know, people sort of half forget about him, um, or breeders do anyway, and, and you have to stand them at a lower fee to attract the same sort of number of mares, you know. So, um, yeah, I think I think when you really sit down there and you're and you're in the heat of the the decision uh, and a business decision, um, yeah, it makes a lot of sense why why these these horses are pulled off and going to stud, you know. I can understand why they they take that option. Um, mate, I might just finish on just your views on racing in general, how racing's handled COVID nineteen, and you know if we've captured the opportunity of attracting new people to the game 
when other sports haven't been able to operate? Like, how do you, how do you see racing's handled at all, and what what's the future hold? Brad, I think uh, I think we've been so lucky to carry on number one. So thank goodness for um, for, for that and for the leadership that's allowed that to happen. Um, I certainly know that you know in terms of sales of shares and that kind of thing, it's been it's been um, sort of business as usual, which is incredible given given you know the hardship that some people are, are facing. Um, I think in terms of the long term view of the sport, I'm just a big believer in in the product you know I just think we have such a, a special product I don't think it's there's nothing else like it um, you know from the horse human connection um, to the social atmosphere created you know it gives it brings a lot of value on so many different fronts you know there's very few sports that you know it's like I sort of see Edmunds racing as like the Chicago Bulls and the, and the horses in our stable are like Michael Jordan and you can own a piece of Michael Jordan you know or or some rookie, or, you know, on, on the on the on the um, on the roster. So it's uh, it's sort of like got that element to it. It's got the social element. It's got like you know, when else do you sort of get dressed up in a suit and tie and and go out and have you know be so? I mean, being human is being social, you know, and it's a great way to get together, get dressed up, feel good about yourself, have a drink, catch up with your friends. Um, and uh, and ha- have a day out for, for for ladies. Obviously, there's the whole fashion side of it, and the and the headpieces and the dresses, and you know a lot of things there that that bring people a lot of joy. Um, like I said about the horse human connection, you know, like there's we, we've we've been working with horses for six thousand years. You know, like we we've fought wars together, we've done agriculture together, we we you know we've um, navigated the world together. You know. Um, it's a very special relationship, and this sport's a very, I think, just a, a carry-on from that relationship. It's a very special sport. There's a very special, um, you know, the horse and athletes are a very special thing. Um, you know, there's a punting side of it. There's the, the, you know, the number crunching side of it, the, the algorithm side of it, but there's also the art of it, you know, the art of punting. There's the art of the business deal, when to trade your horse, when not to trade your horse, where to run your horse. Who's going to ride the tactics? You know, there's it's, there's so many different facets of it that I think are so it can be very interesting to a lot of people. So many variables. Um, very hard sport to uh, you know. It's not one of those sports that um, money's going to buy you the winning post. Um, like, it's a great game in that way too. You know, the winning post um, is the defining factor. There's no subjective rules in the in the middle. If you're punting and your horse gets home first, you win. If you're the trainer. And your horse gets home first, you win. Same be the jockey, the breeder, the owner. Um, you know, the, the winning post says it all, and it's it's uh, got some finite um, element to it. So, but I, basically, I think we're, we've got a great sport. I think we've learned a lot through COVID about how to communicate better and and how to give more pe- our owners better access to their horses on race day and the experience, particularly the ones that can't be there on race day, which is happening a lot now. You know, I think a lot of people, we've got a lot of people in the stable here with with Trent, Trent and Toby. Um, you know, majority of our owners are from outside the Gold Coast, which is incredible. You know, um, so I just think, as a group, if we can um, keep engaging, I'm really excited about concepts like my runners and my Everest and things. If we can keep reducing the barriers to access in terms of horse ownership and and things like my Everest and getting people involved and getting their friends involved and and you know treating people well and looking after their um, their interests and really servicing them well. I just think this is a sport that can hopefully, you know, keep touching more people. As it touches more people, you know, it's a, it's a good opportunity when we've got engagement from people to tackle our big issues. You know, whether it be the welfare thing or, or um, you know, the whip rule or the 
whatever it might be. It, it's if we've got people engaged, we're, we're then able to also market and be very clear in in um, in, in you know how we're tackling the big issues in the sport and, and and you know like anything we've we've got our issues, but so does every industry, and we've just got to. Um, market ourselves well so mate just in a roundabout way i think we've got a great sport we need to market it we need all the participants doing their best to to you know um, run their own shows very well and then i think what we need is a big marketing uh, industry-wide push exactly exactly to to you know tackle those wider issues of yeah. um it's pushing the positives you know the, the, the huge amount of positive in the game but also having very clear um a clear path to if people have questions about you know um the issues we face, then they can go somewhere and quickly look up the facts and, and be very well informed. Yep. Very well said, mate. I think it'd be great if we could educate and make more people aware of this great sport and, um, you know, there's so many different ways we can enjoy it. So there's a really good sport to market, so let's hope we can get more people involved. Yeah, for sure, mate. And podcasts like this are just, you know, exactly what we're talking about, you know. Like, um, thank you for putting this on. The more, you know, the people that can um, get on here and, and um, you know, have a listen and and, and um, get to know people in the game a bit more and sort of connect us all a bit more. It's uh, it's just such a positive thing, you know. Exactly right. All right, Bruce. Well, thanks a lot for coming on the show, mate. And um, all the best in the future with your, your ventures. And I'm um, looking forward to seeing what um, the new gap roster produces in the future. Yeah, thanks so much, Brad. Really appreciate it, mate. Take care. Thanks, Bruce. At Winning Edge Investments, our team of highly skilled expert analysts and full-time professional punters review the data, crunch the figures, assess the best betting opportunities, and deliver them to your phone via our app and your email inbox in real time so you profit. Go to www.winningedgeinvestments.com, look at our membership options, make your choice, and enter the promo code PODCAST to receive a special 25% discount on your first membership just for listening. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T in capital letters for a 25% ongoing discount on your first membership. Treat your betting like a business and invest intelligently with Winning Edge Investments.